Hello and welcome to the first Pelly podcast in eight months. Lower League Scottish football is serious business and this is a serious podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and today I'm joined by one of the most iconic centre-backs in the business and the captain of Scotland's best part-time side. It's Andy Graham. Andy, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Not a problem, Craig. Thanks for having me. You've already been on one podcast today. <laughs> uh, you're very good in it. I'm giving it a listen, so I'm trying not to overlap. So I hope this one is as good as that. But only Not a problem. I've, I've saved my best for this. So oh, That's what we want to hear. Uh, I suppose the best place to start is uh, with the current season. This is your fourth year with Aloe Athletic. We've had the Betfred Cup group stages and a couple of league games. How are things going so far? Yeah, going well. Obviously, there was a bit of a turnover in the summer when um, the manager left and the new manager came in. So that's obviously going to take a couple of weeks to bed in and, and get used to a new manager, new approach. New team as well. We, you know, we lost a lot of players last year that were in loan or, or you know went to, to other clubs. So it's been a wee bit of a while to, for the, the boys to bed in. But we're, we're feeling confident about the season. We played really well in the first league game against Partick, and last week was a bit of a disaster. Um, uh, you got a red card. I think it's your first red card in eight years. Uh, yeah, it would be. It was very unlike me, um, and <laughs> you know I let I let the boys down to be fair. So it's something that well, it was dissent. It was yeah yeah. I got very frustrated. Um, I, I felt it was a. A push, a clear push on uh, Robbie Dees for the goal. I think if anyone's watched it back, they'll, 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 they'll see it. Um, and I think what frustrated me most was was the referee chuckling when I was trying to claim for the foul, <laughs> and that sent me over the edge a little bit. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's, there's no excuse. It's, it's not it's not excusable, and something that is very rare for for, for me to do. So um, yeah, I've just got to grin and bear it, and I'll, I'll suffer my punishment this week when the boys are playing playing against our broth, and I'll need to sit and, and watch and, and cheer them on. But there's nothing worse when you're fully fit and want to play and you can't. So it's my own fault, and it's something that you know I let the boys down. But hopefully they'll go and get the win this week, and it's all papered over and forgotten about. <laughs> so what are the expectations for Aloe Athletic this season? Do you reckon you can go one better than eighth place? Well, I think that's what you set out to do at the start of every season. You always want to improve. We've always been the same, no matter what club I've been at, you always want to do better than the season before and that's no different than us this year so we'll be looking to, to do better than 8th listen, if, if we get 8th we'll be happy because we'll mm-hmm. have stayed up in the league again which is a, a very hard thing to do, it's really competitive and, and very difficult so if we can emulate last year's achievement then it would be a, a brilliant season. Like, so what constitutes success for a part-time side in the Championship? Oh, to be honest I think staying up is, is really what constitutes success I mean, I don't think anyone could argue last year that that was a successful season for mm-hmm. us to Definitely. finish 8th to not in the playoffs when the rest of the league was full time was was a brilliant achievement and it's one that we're as I say we're looking to, to go one better than that th- this year and hopefully you know move up the table. Obviously because you're a part time side you're fancy to struggle for relegation. So how does it feel when the pundits are tipping you to go down? I spoke about it this morning that you, you just use it as motivation and I think that's something that we've always done or certainly I, I've always done whenever Dumbarton before and, and now with, with Alloa part time team in the mm-hmm. championship everyone writes you off and. I felt that last year we were completely written off and I don't yeah. know if that was due to Breakin having a poor season the season before and, and people then just making their mind up that we were going to struggle as well. I don't know if it was maybe due to that or the fact we were the only part-time yeah. team but I felt that we were almost disrespected last year um, for a lot of the season and it was almost too late, too little too late for a lot of clubs when they realised that, wait a minute, they could actually stay up here. You're not the only part-time team in the division this season because, of course, you're sharing it with our broth. I mean, you've played them already this season in the Betfred Cup. What did you make of them? I thought they were, they were a good side. You know, they did fantastic to win the league last year. You know, they beat a full-time team to win the league and they, they won it very comfortably, if I'm being honest. They, they had it wrapped up pretty early. Um, and Dick's obviously a very experienced manager at all levels in Scottish football, so they'll be a, a real threat to not just not just ourselves. And I even get annoyed when people just say, I'll just be a broth and Allah. There'll be, there'll be a couple of full-time teams that'll end up getting dragged into it and mm. our both will be the exact same as us they'll not just be looking at us and saying oh let's finish ahead of them we're looking to drag as many teams in as we can so that like last season we're yeah. going into the last couple of weeks of the season and hopefully there's four or five teams involved How big do you think the games will be between you both in the league? Yeah they'll be big but just as big as we play any other team because you can only get three points for a win so it's it's really yeah it's important to, to beat them and it's the same every game it'll be no different when we go to Queen of the South the following week that's a massive game if we can go to their bit and, and win three points then it's brilliant So, and I think that's the way we've always approached it You know, last season we didn't look at any games and say oh they're the ones it wasn't like that because we went to you know, won it, won it games that you would be like oh that's a surprising result Yeah, three, those three points are just as valuable <laughs> as the ones that you get against teams around about you so what's Aloha like as a club how does it compare to other teams that you've been at it's absolutely brilliant it really is it's very well run 
on and off the park. You know, we've got to say that there's so many people behind the scenes that work so hard. You know, Pat the kit man's absolutely fantastic. You'll never be a nicer guy in the world. He's, um, he's he's brilliant. You've got Joyce that looks after us with our food after training. So everything's obviously at the ground with it being at the Astro. So mm-hmm. it means that you can just leave everything at the ground. Everything's done for you. I've been at obviously lots of clubs where you take your kit home and you wash it and just wee things like that that take away a bit of stress from you, from your life, which you, you do appreciate when you get it all the time. So it's it's really well run and something that I really appreciate, and I know the boys really appreciate that side of it. Um, and I think that's why we a part of the reason why we've been successful. And uh, that's quite interesting. You touched on astroturf there. There seems to be some sort of debate in in Scotland about the the merits of astroturf. I've never actually asked a, a player this, but how do you find playing on the astroturf every second week? It, Certainly at Aloha, it's not, it's not affected me. It's a new AstroTurf. It was only it was laid the year that I joined Aloha, so I think that's probably a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that they do have a shelf life. I think a lot of clubs probably leave them down too long, and before you know it, you're playing, and the, the, the blades are really, really thin, and it's very hard. To, yeah. you know, there's no give to it. I think that they need to look at maybe bringing in a certain amount of time. I think maybe at the moment it's 10 years, but I, think I would say that's far too long. I think after maybe five, six, yeah. that's when it really starts to, to degrade and... and well, the, the end of the day, it's the football that suffers and mm-hmm. the quality of football that suffers. So, for the game, for trying to attract people to come and watch it, then you want to have the best Astro. But when you get it and it's good, I've no issues with the, with the one at Al. I think it's really, really good. And even p- teams that come and play on it all comment on the quality of it. So, why do you think there's such a, a negativity towards it then? I think it's some, something new, isn't it? It's always been new. And I was probably the same when it first came out. I was like, oh, no. no. And, and I still would rather play it. If it's a good grass pitch, you would rather play in grass mm-hmm. every day of the week. That's just natural. But with some of the grass pitches the way they are through the winter and things, mm-hmm. you'd rather play on, a, on a, a good, slick, modern AstroTurf. So there's, there's pros and cons to both. I think people just need to get more accepting of <laughs> that they're coming into the game because clubs need them for revenue. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be part of it. So I think as, you, I think as time goes on, Younger players have probably only ever played in AstroTurf growing up now as well. They'll rarely play in grass, I would imagine. Right. So you'll, you'll find that it'll become... Yeah, I think attitudes will change yeah, over the next few years. You mentioned the turnover at Aloha in the summer there and, and the, probably the biggest change was Jim Goodwin leaving. Were you sorry to see him go? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Of course I was. He was, he was successful for us. He trusted me as, as, as a player and as the captain for him and, and I really appreciated that. So it was... We knew he was going to go. It, it was always going to come. Uh, that was something he never hid from us. So it wasn't a surprise when he was quite open about the fact he was. He was as a stepping stone. He was, yeah. But what I think he did correctly was he waited till the time was right. He didn't just jump at the first opportunity, which I think a lot of people do. They see the going to Dundee at one point at the, towards the, the tail end of the season. Yep, there was Dundee. There was St Mirren the year before. He didn't think it was right, and you got to, you got to admire him and respect him for that because. A lot of people would just jump at the first full-time opportunity thinking, oh, I might not get it again, I need to go now. And he was always very, I'll go when the time's right. He's, he's went and, and good luck to him and I hope that he's, I'm sure he'll be successful. How are you finding Peter Grant so far? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a wee bit different. Obviously, it's going to be like that when a new manager comes mm-hmm. in. He's coached at the top level in the game. He's top coached down in England at a very high level. He's been Scotland's assistant manager. And you know he's bringing in, implementing ideas for us that, that are a wee bit different we bit of a change of shape as well but the boys are getting on board and that's the most important thing we, we played really really well against Thistle and I think even we came off thinking oh, right, we, we can do this and I think that the manager's getting us believing that he believes in us so we need to start believing ourselves a wee bit more so yeah no, it's, it's going to be it's going to be enjoyable and as I, I think I mentioned it that I'm sure Peter Grant's the gaffer's looking to go full time as well yeah. and, and hopefully if we're successful then he'll get that yeah. so that's that's what's, we need to help him and he needs to help us it's simple as that now, when uh, Aloha signed Blair Malcolm from Cowden Beef Peter Grant was pictured wearing a pretty wacky t-shirt uh, what do you think of his clobber? absolutely questionable yeah <laughs> I thought um, yeah, and listen I'm probably the worst dressed player in the dressing room but even even I was raised a few eyebrows at it So and it was mentioned with a, a day out on Saturday with the boys and it, it was brought up to be fair so yeah <laughs> so you're the captain of Aloha Athletic what's the differences between being the captain and sort of just being a regular player in all honesty it, it doesn't really change me much and I think that boys that have played with me and boys that have when I've been their captain when I've not been their captain I think they'll probably vouch for that I, I've not really, I don't really change much I'm the way I am anyway the first season at Aloha I came in Graham Holmes was, was a captain Homer good, good friend of mine still and mm. you know that was no issue to me it wasn't it's not, it's not a problem, it doesn't change anything, it doesn't change my approach to the game, it doesn't change the way I am in the dressing room, it doesn't change the way I am with, with the boys, so um, yeah, it doesn't, 
you've got a bit more responsibility in making sure that players are felt welcome when they come in and things like team days out and, and organising things to keep morale high so yeah. whether it's singing songs whether it's organising quizzes for the buses you name it that's what my job is to do is to make sure that the morale stays high no matter what tell me about the songs I know that uh, in the team whatsapp group that's something that you, you regularly do is, is uh, yeah, put songs in the group Yes, the odd occasion, yeah, if any of them get out, I'll be sin-dyed in Scottish football and <laughs> no one will ever, ever t- touch me again, but uh, no, it's it's just to keep morale up and it, it can be a variety of things, it just depends, it could be something that's happened at training that week, it could be a particular player that's signing, could get a, you know, a song t- dedicated all to themselves, it just depends, absolutely depends how I'm feeling. Do, so. do you play an instrument as well? No, I don't, I just go a cappella straight off the, straight <laughs> off the bat, no music required, um, it's always to a popular song. I've, that the boys will all know. So it's um, a talent. It's not a talent. It's absolutely yeah, it's not. It's just uh, it's just to team. just to keep boys going. And as I say, I could I could do this and no no problem. I've written one about my career. So Brilliant. we'll come. We'll come. That could that could be us done. We'll save you three we'll, minutes. We'll save it. Cause, I mean, I've got have <laughs> got sixteen pages worth of notes here. Not so a I'd problem. <laughs> we'll save that for the end. So we'll jump back about twenty years, Andy, and we'll talk about your your first steps in the game. How did you start playing football? Hey, I was. Playing with the noon amateurs at first when I was 15, I never, I didn't go the conventional route of playing with youth teams. I was mm-hmm. originally from Dunoon, so there wasn't any really access to, to go and play for any youth teams. So 15 played with, with amateurs and that certainly was an eye-opener and that uh, toughened me up quite a lot, to be honest. <laughs> in, in what way? I just, you were playing against men at, at 15, men that weren't, weren't messing about. So it was. In, you think they would target you because they sort of saw you as a bit smaller than. The, the thing was, I wasn't small at that point. I was right. quite tall at that point, so <laughs> it wasn't. I don't even think they probably realised that I was fifteen. So they were right. just. They just saw me as, as fair game to have a go, and I enjoyed that side of it. And it kind of brought. It definitely brought me on, and, and something that has helped me, I think, in my career was playing against men at such an early age and being able to develop and physically as well and yeah. understanding that side of the game and I was lucky enough to, to do that for a couple of years with, with doing amateurs So then how did the move to Glasgow amateurs come around? I was going to university and it was going to be a bit of a, a trek back and things like that and Where uh, you going to study? I was going to Strathclyde Uni to right, do okay. community education and Neil McFarlane remember Neil McFarlane yeah, that played Hearts, Hearts so he's a Dunoon boy as well right. so his path was similar he went to Glasgow amateurs so there was a wee connection there right. between Glasgow amateurs and Dunoon amateurs they, they asked if um, I would come up and, and have a, a trial match. I, I did that and then and, and signed with them for, for three seasons where, again, the, the education I got there was brilliant. I was 17 playing against 21-year-olds and that, that was a great education for me as well. And the guys that ran it were so professional and really really got got me to where I was, to be honest. I don't think I would have had the opportunity without them. What do you think the difference would have been if you'd come through like a, the more conventional route, like through a youth academy? How, how do you think that might have uh, developed you as a player? I'm not sure to be honest. I think um, there was there was boys from Dunoon that went over, travelled over to play with, with Morton at the time, um, with their youth teams, and I think a lot of them almost got sick of it by the time they were 17, 18. It was a lot of commitment, it was a lot of travel. Mm. Whereas I think I just grew up playing with my friends, and and that that helped. I think it, it really did, and it meant that when I got the opportunity, I was really grateful yeah. for it. And I think that might be a wee difference to, compared to maybe somebody that's came all the way through 12s, 13s, all the yeah, way up, yeah, yeah. and they might not appreciate it as much. I don't know. That, that's me just given my opinion on it mm-hmm. but I, I certainly when I, when I got the opportunity at 21 when I didn't think that would ever happen was, was I, I was really grateful for it and gave everything I had to try and try and make it work Were you always a defender? Uh, I was a midfielder when I played to the, the amateur side right, okay. um, and then ugh, when you're 6 foot 2 in Scotland yeah, <laughs> you're going to get stuck back there aren't you um, and it was a part of my game I was aggressive in, in the air and things like that and mm-hmm. so that, that I was always going to get moved back there I felt and that's Eventually, what happened? You play at centre back and you played at right back throughout your career as well. Uh, between the two, what do you prefer playing? At the moment, I'd need to play centre back. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, behave. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed my time at right back. I have to say, but I think it was after about three seasons at Stirling that uh, Alan Moore asked me if I would play right back that season, and I really enjoyed it. To be honest, I loved getting forward. I loved that part of the game, and it was that that got me more opportunity as well. So, yeah, I enjoyed playing right back, but no, not now. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> We'll talk about your, your time at Stirling Albion. How did you come to the attention of Alan Moore? I was very lucky. I, and this is going to sound horrendous, but I'll tell you the truth. I, um, I wrote to all the professional teams in Scotland asking for a trial, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. And I realise that now. But looking back, I was young, naive, and thought, oh, that's the way to go. Nobody got back to me apart from one club, Patrick Thistle, who politely declined my offer. But unbeknown to me, the guys that ran Glasgow Amateurs had also written to a couple of clubs and... Alan saying Moore we've had, got a guy yeah basically yeah saying that we've got a guy that, that they think they could come and watch 
Alan Moore thankfully took up that opportunity to come and watch. I was playing with this Scotland under 21 amateur select right. um, down at Ayr and they came along to watch and asked if I would come in into pre season. So, and at that point, do you remember when Clyde did the open trials? Yeah, I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Under, um, Graham, Graham Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, so I went along to that as well because that was at the same time. So I was um, training with Clyde during the day full time and then training at Stur- was Stirling at night on trial and I was, I lasted two <laughs> weeks and it was. Horrific because anyone that's played under Alan Moore will tell you his pre seasons are extremely tough. So it was, um, it was just, it was getting too much. And I'd said to Graham Roberts at Clyde, and he says, We want to keep you in for another couple of weeks. And I was like, I physically can't do this. <laughs> um, and luckily at that point, Alan Moore had, had saw enough that he says, well, Do you know what? We, we want to offer you a, a contract. And at that point, I was like, I've got to take that. Then that's the one that's in front of me. And, and uh, yeah, so I went for it from there. So, so good guy, Alan Moore, then. Yeah, brilliant. He was great for my career. and gave me my opportunity which I'll always be grateful for because you know there's no reason for him to come to watch that game mm-hmm. during the week that night so um, I'll always appreciate that um, that's that's what gave me an opportunity and I might never have got that How do you compare to other managers you've worked with? Really good that's, that's, there's no I think football's moved on as well I think it's, it's different from when I mean, that's a good what, good while ago now, that's for sure, about 14 years ago or something now, so yeah, but Moody was great, he was he was really really positive, really bubbly character, you could lose it like with the best of them, to be honest, but he was he got the best out of his players, he was a brilliant man-manager, and I think part-time football really, really suited him down to, down to the ground, because mm-hmm. he could come in really bubbly on the Tuesday and the Thursday and the Saturday, and, and he was great, so no, he was, he was brilliant for me, and the boys that all played under him wouldn't have a, a bad word to say. Yeah, tell me about the dressing room that you joined. What were the, the guys like? My first night, I'd, I'd, I'd signed, and I walked in, and I walked into the youth changing the youth dressing room because I, I, I was under no circle, I, I, under no illusions that I was going to be on the first team. So I was very, I was sitting there myself, and Murray came in. He's, what are you doing in here? And I was like, This is where I've to no, get in there. So I was. <laughs> Aye, it wasn't. It was a quite embarrassing first night when I walked in there, and it, there was some really good senior pros. Miles Hogarth was a goalie mm-hmm. at the time. Um, he was fantastic. He, you know, he, helped you out. There was Chris Aitken um, that, that was there. Paul Nugent, Ross. You know, there was loads of guys. Yeah, Ross yeah. Forsyth signed at the same time as me. Relatively speaking, big names in the for me they were. They were all. Side. They were all big names for me, and I knew a lot of the, the, the names from the lower league growing up, supporting Morton mm-hmm. and going and seeing a lot of the, the games. So it was. Uh, it was a big thing for me to walk into the, that changing room. That's for sure. You made your debut for the Beanos in a Challenge Cup tie against Air United on the 30th of July 2005. Do you remember the match? I do. Was it one, e- one each? 1-0? One 1-0. One nil. One nil. Sterling won 1-0 yeah. nil in injury one time nil. with That's 10 right. men. Stephen Boyack got the goal after John Fraser was sent off for two yellow cards. John Fraser, what a guy he was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He was a lovely, lovely guy. And on the park, he was not a lovely, lovely guy, but he was, he was brilliant, John. He was absolutely superb. So I do I do remember, yep, I remember um, Stevie Boyack scoring the goal. I was, uh, I think, I was meant to play the week before against Partick Thistle, and I, I was ill on the Friday night, right. and I would try everything to play, but it got to the point where it was like, right, I'm being sick all the time, I actually can't play, <laughs> but the boys were all slaughtering me, saying I was too nervous for my first my first game, and uh, it was, I took a wee bit for that, but uh, fortunately I was fine for the next week, and, and Murray gave me my chance. You scored your first goal a month later, you scored a late consolation and a 2-1 defeat to Aloha Athletic, do you remember the goal? I do, yeah, I also gave away a penalty in the game, right. um, so it was, <laughs> kinda, it was a bit bittersweet at that point, so I was just like, oh no, I'm going to get it after the game regardless, because this, this goal means nothing, so... Um, <laughs> I do remember that, but I remember giving away the penalty more. That was um, the negative in my head that day. What were the big differences between amateur football and professional football? I think the the pace of it, you know, the, and the quality. I think there's no doubt about that. The, the, the guys you were playing against all of a sudden had very good first touches. They were they were quicker, so you had to you, you couldn't get caught out of position. So, and I think that was something I struggled with probably. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in the early part of my career was was positioning, but you know, I had good experienced players alongside me, Mark McNally, who played at the highest level with Celtic was alongside yeah. me and, and spoke to me a lot you had Ross Forsyth who'd played at St Johnson he was similar age to me but he still had a lot more experience than I did relatively speaking and, and mm-hmm. Paul Nugent as well so it was great to have guys like that that, that kept you right and I improved that side of my game because I had to if I didn't then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have played really you, you, you talk about defensive partnerships and where there's like an older defender a younger defender people say that the older defender just talks you through the game did, did you find that to be the case sometimes? Yeah I think communication is something I've always had as well and I think that was something certainly Alan Moore and Mark McNally both said that about me when, when I joined that I ha- I, they were happy that I had that already um, so it's something that I've always prided myself on and I always think that even now when I'm playing with a, with a young player I always tell them I need you as much as you need me mm-hmm. and I think that, that it's, it shouldn't just be one way or the other and, and 
now Martin Ali helped me and I'd like to think that hopefully I helped him because that's what a partnership's all about it's not just one way It was a solid second division that season and still an Albion finished in fifth place were you pleased with how your debut season had gone? Oh, certainly yeah because I think 10 games in we'd lost the first 9 games <laughs> and the, the pressure on, on, on uh, Alan Moore at that point was untenable almost and uh, you know, you felt that as players because you you felt so responsible, and because we got on so well with the manager, you, you were feeling horrendous, thinking that, that we were causing this. But Peter McKenzie, the, the chairman at, at Sterling at the time, was absolutely brilliant and never ever wavered and never even considered let, let, letting Murray go. And so I don't think he felt as much pressure as, as we probably did, right? Because we then I think we went to Morton, a midweek game, one two one, Ross for three scored the goal, and we then went on a, a run of eight wins out of nine, and. That's how we obviously ended up finishing fifth and, yeah. and, and whatnot. But after 10 games, it was looking bleak. So, yeah, finishing fifth was... If you'd offered me that at that point, I would have been absolutely <laughs> over the moon. Your second season at fourth bank, that was the 2006-2007 season. That was successful because it ended with promotion via the playoffs. But you only played 19 times that season. And there's an absence between August and December. What happened? I had a few injuries that year. That was the first year that I'd kind of really... I've not really been injured much in my career, mm-hmm. but that, that year I did struggle with them. I had that, I remember I had a hamstring injury and I couldn't really get back from that. Then the, the boys were doing actually, actually doing really well, so it was hard for me to get back in. So when I was fit, I, I just wasn't selected because I wasn't, you know, I, I was out of the team at that point and the boys were doing well. So no issue with that. That's absolutely. As I was looking at the, the the stats for the playoff games, you didn't feature in any of the four of them. You played Wraith Rovers in the semi final and then Adrianians in the final. Yep. How come you weren't involved uh, in those games? Broke my hand two weeks oh. before the playoffs. Um, How did you manage that? Down at Air United, we were playing that day. Um, and David Lowen, I don't know if you remember David Lowen. The name's pressing a buzzer. So he ended up coming to Stirling and I ended up being mates with him. But anyway, he stamped in my hand <laughs> <laughs> and broke my hand. So um, I was absolutely devastated. And John Fraser, lovely guy, he. Um, dealt with after the game show we say in the tunnel and it was the biggest stramash I have ever seen in my whole yeah. entire life and by the time I got in I had hands swollen out to huge and, and John Fraser just sitting in the dressing room as if nothing had happened and I could not believe my eyes so it was uh, yeah that was eventful and obviously it meant that I was going to miss the, the playoffs which mm-hmm. was really really tough yeah. and really hard to sit and, and watch obviously you're supporting the boys so that's you're going to do that but at the same time there is that we that pang of oh, I wish I was out there ah. helping them out. How, how did it feel when the, when the promotion was confirmed against there? You were a bit disappointing that, that you'd still got it but you hadn't managed to contribute towards it? At, at that point, probably not because you're just thinking of the success that, and you're thinking, brilliant, next season we're going to be in, in at the time, Division 1 yeah. Championship now. But So you're, you're elated for that really more than anything else and you are delighted for the boys that they've, they've went and done it. It's probably harder in the lead up to it. So when you're watching and I think the first leg of the playoff final we were 2-0 down in the last five minutes so it was looking mm-hmm. game over you know Airdrie were in, in Division 1 at the time so it was looking as if it was all over and then Paul Nugent had always left foot that I've, I've, no, I've still no idea why he shot I've still no idea why he shot but it went right in the top corner and then Chris Aitken scored a, a goal after that to take it to each which meant we were going to Airdrie on the, on the Saturday full of yeah definitely we, we were in ascendancy basically and you know we went and saw the game out 3-2 and with a good team at the time Robert Snodgrass came in loan yeah what, what was I was going to ask you about Robert Snodgrass uh, what, what was he like to play alongside really good player yeah you could tell you, you could tell right away when he came in that you know you're thinking why are you not why not kind of screwing the nut at Livingston? I think, mm. and he would probably admit now that coming and loan to Sterling probably yeah, was a turning point really was a turning point for him because I think he was on the cusp of, of Livingston just saying, right, you know, no more. But he, he came to Sterling, and that's what Alan was brilliant at. He was very good, that's what I mean about being a good man manager. And Snoddy turned it round, and he was he was excellent for us. He really changed our season at that point, and you know, he, he scored a few vital goals, but he's just his all round performance, you mm-hmm. could tell. He was going to be a very good player if he, if he could knuckle down. And I think he says himself that. He says he couldn't believe that when boys were coming part-time and, and working and then coming in at night, he saw that side of it and thought, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I want to do the best I can. And fair play to him. He's right absolutely now. went on and had yeah. a, a, a absolutely magnificent career. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good to get quality like him. And David Bingham came in on loan as well, mm-hmm. who was also very, very good for us and um, really helped us win the playoffs. One of the guys I wanted to touch on that season was Colin Cram. When he joined Stirling, he'd be the only player to have featured in every senior division in Scotland and England. Uh, what was Colin Cram like? Crammy was brilliant. I've got to say, he was, he was absolutely crazy, as you can imagine. Um, he, he, he was at Stennis Muir the, 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 the season before and he scored a lot of goals, but he was a, a bit of a handful uh, off the pitch. Absolutely. He, he was he was brilliant. And as I say, again, Moody had to manage him and, and, and he did it to the, to the best of his ability. <laughs> Crammy was, he was a right good player as well. Yeah, now, you yeah, don't yeah. play in all those divisions without being 
a really good player and he was a good player. Um, he just, get, I think, he, he gets so frustrated so easily on the pitch. I think that's what you know contributed to the fact that to him having so many clubs mm-hmm. and, and, and going from club to club. But his quality was was there. There's no doubt about that. He was he was a good player. And he was brilliant with me. You know, I, I never had an issue with Cram. He was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> he was he was some laugh to have about as well. So what was the feeling like going into the first division in the summer of two thousand and seven? Yeah, it was great. You were looking forward to it. You knew it was going to be really difficult and it proved to be. You know, we, we we drew a lot of games. I think we maybe drew ten or eleven games and I think that's the key when you're trying to stay up. If you're if you're going to if you're going to stay up you need to turn a few of those draws into wins because mm-hmm. it makes such a difference when it's only one point for a draw and that's what that was ultimately what our downfall was. We yeah. just drew too many games of, of football that season. I mean at the the start of that season you picked up a win and seven draws from the first uh, twelve matches. Do you think you'd done all right though? Like as a team, yeah, and I, you felt like you were competing at that point as well because you, you were in so many games. You, there wasn't many games where we, we lost heavily, so I think at that point you are thinking, right, if we can just turn turn these wee draws into a couple of wins, you, you, you'll stay up. Unfortunately, we, we couldn't do that. The, the quality of the league was very strong, and you know, we inevitably ended up getting getting relegated. What do you think your own performances that season? Again, it was another step up for me, and it was a learning curve. I managed to get. I think I played a lot of games that season. I could play most of the season yeah. when I was when I was fit. But it was it was great for me to develop because it, it was very difficult, and you were playing against really really good strikers that you know you knew you were going to win a game yeah. when, you, when you were coming up against them, and that was brilliant for my development. Looking back now, at the time it was it was hard, and you know I was hard on myself. I've always been hard on myself yeah. in my career. I'd go home and. First thing I look at is myself, and um, so just like you're talking about, you giving away that penalty. You know, that's the thing you remember more from that match than actually scoring the goal. Aye, exactly. Yeah, and, it, and it's something that's always stuck with me. And, but I think that helps you get better. And I think that season, looking back on it now, it definitely helped me improve. That was the first season of your career. You, you had struggled. The, the previous two seasons had been quite successful. So, how do you deal with the fact that you are not winning every week? That you are sort of bottom of the table. You're, you're struggling. I think because when you're part-time side in that league I think people expect you to struggle so I would say that the it's not as as difficult as I don't know as people would maybe make out because the, the boys know that we're in for a fight and we knew we were going to be, be in, in a relegation battle one thing I took from it was whenever I was at clubs in future when I was older and you know was to make sure that the morale stayed high and you can't let it affect you because it's so important that you've, you've, you can't do anything about the game you've just lost so you need to move on and I think that we found that difficult because we were drawn games and we were so close, I think, in games. We found it difficult to, to then move on and, and I think that's probably why we ended up going down in the end. So how do you foster good morale then in those sort of circumstances? As I say, it's just... You've just got to move on from the game. You can't let it fester. You can't sit and talk about the, the game too much because at the end of the day, it is done. You need to learn from your mistakes. I agree with that. But it's really important just to wipe the slate and go, no, it's, it's next week, we'll win next week and, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll keep going. But I think the standard of the league was very high that mm-hmm, year. Yeah. I, I do remember it was it was some quality teams in there. So it was, and as I say, just turn a few of those draws into wins and you would have been you'd have been right in there. Now, the, the team were relegated at the end of that season and the return to the second division was a bit of a damp squib. You finished in fifth place just outside the playoffs. You, you tell me about that season. Yeah, I think... <laughs> It always surprises me when teams get relegated and right away the, the pundits are saying, oh, they'll come back up and because it always has an effect. I, mm-hmm. it's, I think you see it even with Sunderland at the top level when they've went yeah. from Premiership all the way down and it's really like hard to change. Breakin's a great example of somebody that's almost in free fall and I think it is hard to change that mentality and negativity. So it, it didn't seem as bad a season, I think, as everybody made out to us because we were close to the playoffs. It, it wasn't... You know, and I understand from people looking in, thinking, "Oh, they've just come down; they should come back up." But what happens is, when you get relegated, generally there's a clear out of players, so it's it's a new new team almost. Mm-hmm. So to then come straight back up would have been very difficult. So I think it was more a season of consolidating and, and the gaffer wanting to building a team mm-hmm. for a go the next year. Well, they certainly did go the next <laughs> season because the 2009-2010 season was a very successful one. The team that Alan Moore had built, you said you were you were kicking on for that season. Do you think that team could have won the division at the start of the year? Yeah, I think we did, and we we had the, the belief, and that was the target. That was I remember, you know, Alan, Alan Moore saying that, that 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 was the target for us was was to win the league, and we felt that we had the players that were were capable of doing it. I think that was by then I was playing right back um, <laughs> became a, a right back for a couple of seasons and as I say I really enjoyed it back then I thoroughly enjoyed getting up and down and, and getting more involved in the game probably than, than you would at centre half so but we had a good, a good side really good side and don't get me wrong there was times where it was dead and buried we, you know, we thought we were, we were gone but um, 
fair play to the, the squad and, and the manager because we, we didn't stop believing to be honest Now that season we'll come on and talk about the build up to the, the final game of the season but it was famous for your battle with Alan Maitland's Aloha Athletic and they won all four meetings against you that season what yeah. did you think of Aloha? Yeah, they were, they were a really good side and we actually thought that that's what was going to be our downfall because we just couldn't seem to beat them. Every mm-hmm. time we played them, they seemed to, they seemed to beat us and it was, it could, but we could even, I think one of the games I remember we really dominated and we still lost and at that point we were like, they've just got Indian <laughs> sign over us, there's nothing, there's nothing we can do here, I, I don't understand and with it being a local derby obviously as well, it was particularly hard for the supporters to take because yeah. at one point it was looking as if that was going to be the only difference between the two sides but Thankfully, we, we, we kept going and, and managed to... Well, that's something I was going to ask, that. because in, in mid-April, you were nine points behind Alo. You had two games in hand, but still, it's a, quite a deficit to, to make up. At that point, did you think, well, we've we've lost the league? Yeah, I think at one point we were, I think at one point we were actually 12 points behind. Really? And at that point, you were thinking, that's that's a lot to make up. I think we had a few games in hand, because that was the year of the, the crazy snow, I remember, because we played... Mm. In, in April, I'm sure we played Monday, Wednesday, yeah. Saturday, which is quite unheard of. I mean, <laughs> that was that was taking me back to my amateur days. That happened all the time back then, and I loved it. But I remember us playing. I'm sure we played a broth on the Saturday, and then again on the Monday. I, I could be wrong, but I remember thinking, "This is crazy." We're playing Saturday, then Monday against the same team. But I think that actually helped us see playing so many games in such a quick space of time. It really helped us because I think by that point we, we built momentum, yeah, and we started winning games. And all of a sudden, when you start winning your games in hand, it puts pressure on on Aloha at the mm-hmm. time. And well, you're not knackered though, having playing like three games a week. When you're winning games, you're not tired. And I say this all the time. Like it's something that you just and you know and you just know that you've got another game coming. We knew that to win the league, we were going to have to just go gung ho and win a lot of games of football. And the manager set us out that way, and, and we just went for it. And as I say, you build that momentum. You win one, you win another one. And then you've got another game that, two nights later, and, and you're just thinking, right, let's go and win again, see what happens. And Thankfully for us, it took us where we wanted to be. We'll talk about one of those games, and this might have been your most important contribution as a still an Albion player. Match against Cowden Beath, the second, <laughs> the second last uh, game of the season. You were three 0 down at half time before pulling off this in- incredible turnaround. You, you tell me about that match. Yeah, th- well, I can't tell you much about the end. I don't have a clue what happened, but <laughs> um, the yeah, certainly the game because at that point Cowden Beath were still in it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they beat us, then it would have went three ways on the Saturday with they, they were playing Aloha at the time so it was a big game it was one that we knew if we won we were pretty much won the league at that point so going into the game we did feel a bit of pressure Cowden Beast a horrible place to go at any time you know, especially when no, you need to nobody ever says anything nice about Central Park do you know I, the results I've had are I really enjoy playing there but <laughs> at the same time it's still not an easy place to go and you know we were, we were going there thinking you know just win just win and all of a sudden we were 3-0 down half time and you're thinking oh it's gone it's absolutely gone what have we done you know we've, we've thrown it away and Alan would come in at half time and he was understandably fuming he, he thought we'd thrown it away and he told us just go out and just win that second half and whatever it takes you it might take you somewhere but he says we need to go into Saturday with a bit of positivity he said so I need you to go out there and put that half to bed and well, we certainly did that. <laughs> yeah, t- tell me about the second half. It was uh, Ian Russell scored two goals. The second yep. one came in the eighty seventh minute. Yeah, and, and he was a he was a big factor in us as well. Yeah, he was loan from Morton. He came and loaned from Morton. I think he'd been on loan at Aloha earlier in the season, maybe. I think so. Yeah, Do I remember there been a bit of <laughs> controversy over that <laughs> um, that transfer at the time because um, he didn't come to us till late on, very late on. You know, I think you're talking maybe March. It was really late. Yeah. it was an emergency one, I think, and he scored something like I want to say six or seven goals. So. He was pivotal in us in winning the league, there's no doubt about it. And the two goals he scored that night were every bit as important as, as the one I scored to equalise. Yeah, so tell me about the equalise. I know you finished, you said you finished the game with a concussion, am I right in thinking? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, to this day, I just get people telling me, I've seen pictures of what happened, but Ross Rosyth always tells me because he got the assist, so he's delighted <laughs> to tell me about it. He, he claims it was all to do with his, with his ball in. Um, I think it was, a, it was a free kick late in the game, and we'd just thrown everybody up, and Ross has floated one in, and I think that. David Hay it was the goal yeah. he's came to, came to punch it and he'd certainly never punched the ball I think I've headed the ball and he's taken my head off near enough but it was, um, <laughs> it was one of them I didn't really know what had happened I was the first thing I really remember is coming round and somebody saying oh, just, just fucking leave him so it must have been one of their players <laughs> presumably at that point I hope so anyway I hope it wasn't any other guys to be fair I got no sympathy off our players they were all celebrating with the fans <laughs> in the last minute they had no concern for my welfare whatsoever so, um, so how did you re- recover in time for the final game of the season? because I never had the daft concussion rules back then so it was um, <laughs> there was <laughs> there was no chance that I wasn't playing on the in the final game I'd played every game that year so there was no way I was missing the, the game at Breakin we'll talk about the Breakin game just in a second but that was 
was uh, your fifth goal over the final third of the season. Where did that scoring run come from? I have no idea. It was um, <laughs> with with good good set, good set piece takers in the in the team, and you know they they they're the ones that deliver it for me, and I just managed to. Just get on the end of him, luckily enough. So, you know, with Chris Aitken at the time, it was great delivery from a corner. I remember scoring a few from, from his balls in. So, just went through that wee run where you just felt every game, I might score them. I've got a good chance of scoring today. So, I, I know what strikers mean when they say that, when they get through a wee a, a purple patch. I was doing that as a defender for the first and probably last time in my career. Now, going into the final game of the season, Aloha had lost three games in a row and you were at the top of the table with a two-point lead, as we said there. You were taking on Brecon City, Aloha were playing Cowdenbeath at home and all you really needed was a point because of your superior goal difference. So what was the feeling like going into that match? Yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. You'd be, anyone that says they weren't nervous is absolutely lying through their teeth because it was, it, was it was a nerve-wracking experience mm-hmm. about being away from home. I don't know. I think that probably helped us being away from home. To be yeah. honest, I think sometimes at home there's that the expectation of Everett because Sterling would have filled the whole mm-hmm. the whole side and it would have been that bit of you know. Don't get me wrong. Sterling took a great support that day. I yeah. remember they filled the, the whole stand at Brecon and they had a few round by the hedge as well. So, but I just think being away sometimes helps you. I think it just takes that wee bit of pressure off. And we knew that Brecon were already in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I think I remember them playing a full strength team because I was surprised. We kind of thought in the build up maybe they'll they'll rest boys because they're playing on the Tuesday. They certainly didn't. Um, <laughs> and we're like, oh, here we go. Then we're in a game. But um, the, the nerves. Once the, once the, the whistle goes, it, it does go away. You, you just play. You play your game as you as you always do. So I think nerves are something that build up and build up. And the second the game starts, you just play. We'll talk about the match because uh, Michael Mullen scored after eight minutes for Sterling. Charlie King equalised shortly afterwards for Brecon and then Brian Allison was sent off just after half time. So, you, can you tell me about uh, playing in that match? Yeah, that well, obviously, the, when Shooter, that's his name, my <laughs> scored to, to, to put us up, we're thinking, here we go, that's it. Especially when you only need a draw, because you're thinking <laughs> to yourself at that point, right, let's just see the game out, 1 0, everybody's happy, Brecon have got the playoffs on Tuesday, no issues. And I think Charlie King scored a free kick, I think. It was, um, it was a good goal, to be fair. And you're thinking, oh, here we go. This is not what we need. But we're still one each. We're all right. And we, we could hear that. I'm sure Cowdenbeath took the lead. That's right. In aye. their game, because I remember hearing that. You don't really want to hear, but you can't help it when you're at breaking. You're hearing everything. Mm-hmm. And we knew. So we were thinking, right, okay, just focus on us and try and make sure we get the draw that we need. Even go for, you know, at that point we were still going for the win. I remember Al Moore saying at half time, we, we go for the win. You know, we're not here to. If you sit and try and play for a draw, then we'll lose. As simple as that. And I think maybe five minutes into the second half, eh, Brian Allison gets sent off. It was a harsh one as well, I remember thinking at the time that's really, really harsh and a big decision for the ref to make at that point in the last game of the season. But yeah, off he went, he got his marching orders and at that point you're just thinking, right, now we just we need uh, to see this out. Because at the Rex, although uh, Cowden Beath had, had taken the lead, yep. Alois scored three goals in nine second half minutes to, yep. to go three one up. Were you aware? Of that uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I was, I was certainly aware. I don't know about everybody else, but so you yeah. were right next to the touchline. I was, yeah, few... I, I knew, I knew, and, and you know, I think a few of the Beacon fans were shouting that they that they were that Aloha were winning, and you're like, oh, here we go. This is you so. Know. Then how how do you see out the rest of the match? Obviously, you're hearing this stuff coming in. You're a man disadvantage. How do you how do you see out the rest of the game? And again, that's what I mean about being away from home. Probably suited us that day because Brecon's pitch is narrow. It's tight, which is exactly what you want when you're down to ten men. You don't want to play <laughs> in a big, expansive pitch. And I think that that helped us because we did. We just got really narrow, and we had a lot of really good workers in that in that side. You know, we Andy Gibson and, and folk like that that just worked their socks off, and that's what saw us through in the end. It was I think when you've got that carrot at the end of it, you're, everybody was throwing themselves in front of everything, and, and it was a real a real a real effort that when you came that far you know you came from 12 points behind you're thinking we can't let this go mm-hmm. they just cannot let this go now and I think that was the, the overriding emotion of it always the fear of losing more than the, <laughs> the character of winning maybe but it saw us through yeah, so how did it feel at the full time whistle? Oh, it was brilliant I mean I, I remember Rory McAllister was playing for Breakin at the time and I, I kept saying to him listen Rory Cam, you've got playoffs on Tuesday let's, <laughs> let's know <laughs> if there's a 50-50 we had let's just be sensible here right because it's not going to end well and it, it was uh, he, to be fair he was brilliant he was he was saying that as well he's like I know I know I've got the game on Tuesday but um, once the final whistle went it was just euphoria relief probably more than anything else but yeah it was it was, it was was absolutely unbelievable really how do you celebrate it? it's it's one of those things I think you know the a few times in my career we've been lucky enough to celebrate things and it's it's relief more than anything else in that because the build up to the game and the nerves and everything surrounding it when it actually happens it's more just oh thank goodness thank goodness because you know the feeling of it going the other way so 
that was really important. The fans obviously invaded the pitch. There was a helicopter, I think, because that obviously was late yeah. on and we weren't sure what, what way it was going to go at that point. So we had to wait a long time for the, the title to, to get brought over to Glebe Park. So it was, it was that was good. That was enjoyable because my family were there and things and they came on the pitch and all the Sterling fans that supported us through the season were all coming on the pitch. So that, that was brilliant. And I really enjoyed that that part of it. That was excellent. I mean, that's your only league winner's medal. So where does that achievement rank in, your, in terms of your career? Yeah, it's, it's up there. It's, it's got to be when you know... You, Promotions and, and winning medals—that's that's what you play the game for. And they, they've been. Don't get me wrong. There's been other, some other achievements in there, like staying up in, in mm-hmm. the championship when you're when you're only part-time team. Things like that are, are huge, and I think overlooked at times. So, um, but it'd be it'd be wrong of me to say that winning a league medal wasn't right up there. You know, it, it was. How did you sum up your five years at Stirling? So grateful that I got the opportunity, and that was my overriding emotion at the, at the time. I never. I remember my first year I was in I, was on, I can tell you I was on £50 a week and I was travelling from Dunoon so I was up twice a week it was costing me £60 I was paying a tenner to play for <laughs> Stirling at, the, at that point and it did not matter a jot to me because I, all I cared about was, was, was playing football at a professional level no matter what it was um, I remember the few of the boys the more experienced boys were saying to me, that's no one, you need, you need to go and speak to him, you need to go and because I was playing every week. And to be fair to Murray, he looked after me and then, yeah. you know, when he realised he was he was brilliant with me and at the end of my first season, he, he made all the boys go to Dunoon um, as a, as a kind of <laughs> thank you for me travelling all the way, all the time, he made them all go to Dunoon for a night out. So, we things like that make all the difference and that's what I mean about... Right. What's a night in Dunoon like? Absolutely horrific, but they were they were <laughs> adamant that they were going to come. So um, no, it was good. They, they enjoyed it. I I that say. sounds good if the manager's going out his out his way to to. It, make it did that make for me you. feel a wee bit you know valued in, in in what I'd been doing. You know, getting the, the ferry and two trains and then you know walking out to to, to Stirling. And but as I say, I'd have done anything at that point to play at, at that level. So that wasn't an issue to me. It's not something that I look, I look back on it now and think you're crazy. Um, but <laughs> at, the, at the time, it didn't feel like a chore at all. Um, so my, my five years at Stirling were, were brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Now, you left the club at the end of that season, and Alan Moore left as well to take charge of Green at Morton. Do you think for both of you that was the right time to move on? Yeah, I think so. At that point, there was an opportunity to go full time mm-hmm. for, for me. Something, as I say, I'd never done as a youth player, never done in my career. And if I hadn't taken that opportunity, I think I would have regretted it. F- for the rest of my life, really, to not because I had a good job at the time, and what you doing at the time? I was working um, for Glasgow City Council, working in a couple of colleges, working with young people that were just needing support through their college courses. But it was it was a good job, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. So it was one of them. It was a risk because I was thinking, if I give that up, am I going to get it back necessarily? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I couldn't have lived with myself if I didn't take the, the opportunity to go full time, and um, I've got no regrets that I did it. So uh, how did the move to Hamilton come around then? It was Alan that said to me that Billy Reid was interested and in, in, in wanted me to to sign and it, it didn't take much negotiation to be honest because I was just wanting to, to, to go for it at that point and um, it was all done very quickly Given where you started playing sort of like uh, amateur football to going into full time football with SPL at the age of 26 when you had the chance to reflect on how your career had progressed how did you feel? Yeah I, th- I felt I felt proud at that point because as I say where I'd, where I'd came from to get, to get that far I was I was happy with it, but I did want to kick on and I wanted to do to do better. Didn't work out for me. It's such you know, maybe the level was too too high for me. I don't know, but um, it was something that, as I say, if I'd not, not taken that chance, you would always look back and regret regret not doing it because I got to play at some great great mm-hmm. stadiums against some brilliant players. So that's part of my career. I always look back on and and think fondly of it. I will come on and talk about sort of your your season in the, the SPL in a bit de- a bit greater detail. But before you signed for Hamilton, you went on holiday to Las Vegas with your sister. She had won a, a poker tournament. That's uh, right. You enjoy yourself when you're over. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> she uh, she won a, a poker tournament. So it got two free tickets to to Vegas. She was only twenty at the time, so she couldn't actually play in any <laughs> of the, the tournaments over there. So uh, she got a fake ID to be fair. So she was in a few things, but um, no, it was absolutely brilliant. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I appreciated her taking me because she could have taken any of her pals, but no, she chose to take her big brother. I was like, happy days. Um, so that was that was a good wee holiday before the, I, the real I've, stuff started. I've never been myself, but I've heard though it's sort of like um, Pleasure Island there. You can pretty much do do whatever you want absolutely anything yeah it's magnificent really really good thoroughly enjoyed it brilliant uh, tell me something about your stories uh, <laughs> when we stop recording but um, it was Billy Reid who brought you to Hamilton Ackies uh, how did you find working with Billy Reid I actually met Billy Reid in Vegas believe it or not really nah yeah yeah when we were over there and I couldn't believe it I was like oh no <laughs> my manager's here <laughs> but no he was yeah as I say it was it was all new to me the whole thing was new to me I think he's assistant at the time Stuart Taylor 
who was brilliant with me because he understood I think where I, I got a lot of injuries in pre-season and things I think my body was struggling to adjust from part-time to full-time and training every day mm-hmm. so I was picking up a lot of niggles and things like that and I always had this stupid attitude where I thought that I need to work harder then I need to work harder when realistically you know looking at back now I'm saying well, what are you doing yeah. you know, your body needs recovery but at that time and that time it was probably before really sports science was a big thing and mm-hmm. things like that so you just thought no I need to work harder and, and, and do better so that was probably a downfall of mine um, when I was full time was probably over training or, or trying to do too much did, did any coaches sort of recognise that you were doing too much and, and like sit down with you and say you need to sort of focus on specific areas yeah that's where Stuart Taylor was, was good with me and, and, and said to me listen you need to try but at the, t- at the time you're still thinking I need to be fitter because I need to be I need to be at the level that the mm-hmm. rest of the guys are at because I didn't feel I was so that was something that I look back on and probably regret and think you know you should probably listen more or you should have been a bit more sensible but at the same time you, you, you live in the moment don't you so you, we've all got regrets <laughs> that we look back on but I don't um, I, I see why I did it because yeah. I wanted to be as good as everybody else I know some, some good players in that Hamilton yeah. team you had Martin Canning Mark McLaughlin Simon Mensing Doogie Emery sort of well known names how did it feel to fit into that dressing room? They, they were really welcoming there was a lot of new players the year that I signed you know, Gav Skelton came in. He was he was a really nice guy, and Gav uh, Gary McDonald as well. Um, Jim McAllister, who I've grown to be really, really good friends mm-hmm. with um, over the years, he joined that year as well. Big Mark McLaughlin was absolutely fantastic. You know, you couldn't um, meet a nicer guy in football, and really welcomed welcomed me, uh, uh, which was great because as a centre half, it'd have been easy for him to go the other way and think, oh, here's another guy that's fine for my position. But he was not like that mm-hmm. at all, and I'm, I'm really close with Mark now. You know, him and his family because. I appreciated that at the time mm-hmm. um, and we ended up crossing paths later on at Dumbarton which was great so yeah no, they were, they were really welcoming from that point of view Was there a case of like this guy's been playing second division part time football last season who's he? Um, no <coughs> I don't think there was to be honest I think yeah there probably was a wee bit of that attitude that this, he'll, he'll, know, he'll, he'll just be a, a squad player and he'll not be any good or whatever I think maybe I took a few folk by surprise I'd like to think I did because there is that there's always that you know that mentality in football that if somebody's came from a lower level that they're, they're not going to be good enough and I think it's something that I've made sure that throughout my career that I've never really held against anybody because mm-hmm. I've saw it from, from my point of view and yeah. if anyone ever signed for a club I've been at regardless of what level they're at it doesn't matter It's what they're obviously signing for a reason so um, no it wasn't like that to be fair and as I say because there was so many new signings when I, when I joined it just blended in with everybody else Do you remember your debut for the club? It would have been who were we playing that day? It was the, we played Rangers the week after, I think, didn't we? So it would have been... Cali Thistle away yes. on the 28th of August, uh, 2010. Yeah. I played with Simon Menson at the back. He was, he was brilliant as well, another really nice guy who helped me through that game. I remember the dad and Rooney up front, Johnny Hayes wide. Looking back now, it was, it was a really strong side. <laughs> um, and I, th- I really enjoyed my, my debut. I had that, one of my few good games in my career um, so I, I did okay and we managed to, to win the game 1-0 Dougie Emery scored an absolute screamer mm. after about three minutes I remember and I think we, we, we dug in we had to dig in I remember that because it's a tough place to go in yeah. Vernes and as I say with the players they had at that point yeah. they, were, they were strong we've, we've spoken about the step up in quality as you've gone through your career how did you find the second division to SPL players? Yeah, that that was a huge step up. It, it was. Um, there's no, no doubt about it. even in training. You know, I could see it, and I thought, right, I need to be at it. To, I need to be at it every single training session to even get through this. And um, so, what are some of the differences then between the guys you'd faced previously to the guys you were facing that season? Again, it's, it's speed of thought. It's I would say is the, the, one of the most important things. They see things so much quicker. They, unpredictability so, as well. Yeah, unpredictability. But it's it's that vision of seeing a pass that split second earlier, which as a defender. I need to see it that split second earlier, otherwise to cut it out, otherwise they're going to get in. So that I found that that was probably the the big difference between moving up up the leagues is that their trainer thought so much quicker. It'd be a struggle for Hamilton that season. The team would end up being relegated, and there was a particularly brutal spell between November and mid-April when they they didn't win a game. They'd only pick up seven points. What was the mood around the club like at that time? It wasn't great. It wasn't. Um, you know, we had a very big squad, which I don't think helped at the time. You know, we had two minibus loads going to training and it was almost like one minibus and another minibus it was it was it, there was a wee bit of a divide I would say and anyway, sort of the, was the bus divided by sort of like the, the sort of starting 11 players and the subs and then the sort of reserves almost yeah there was obviously guys here or there that you because know, the team changed a lot that year you know we had a lot of in, incomings and outgoings and I think that didn't help when I understand the reasons for it when you're down the bottom of the league you're thinking I need to change things and we need to we need to bring in 
better players and better quality but sometimes it doesn't work out like that and, and too much change I felt that year didn't help us um, so the mood wasn't great I mean, it can't be when you're, when you're only taking seven points from four or five months of football then it's never going to be good at any dressing yeah. room um, so it, it wasn't great and ultimately we ended up getting relegated You'd only feature four times from February onwards um, be disappointed not to have played more often yeah, I was. I, I felt some of the games I, I did okay. There was one game at St. Johnson. I had an absolute nuclear disaster. First one to hold my hands up at that, no problem. Um, I think both. But at the same time, I th- and what I found at full time football was that it was a very blame centred culture. It was very right. look out for number one. Whereas at part time level, I don't think it's anywhere near as prevalent as, as it is. That's what I found in my two years at full time. I thought right, wow. there's a lot of people just look out for themselves here. And when, and when you're analysing things, some people aren't really good at holding their hands up and saying that was my mistake whereas throughout my whole career it's something I've prided myself on if I make an error I'm the first one to hold my hands mm-hmm. up and I expect that from my teammates and I didn't feel I got that or I didn't feel that happened as much at full time level so I think that was probably part of the, the, the reason you know that's, I remember that St Johnson game and I remember hearing I think it was Alec Neal at the time saying to uh, um, Martin Cannon and, and Brian Reid after the game that he didn't think I could play centre half and I didn't feature oh. a long long time how after does, that How does it feel to hear one of your teammates saying that about you? It wasn't great. <laughs> obviously, an experienced <laughs> player as well. Good, good players, and yeah. that that yeah, it hurt to hear it, obviously. But it just, I just kept working away and, and tried to to get myself back in the team. Listen, I'm not. That's not the reason I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't good enough at the end of the day. As simple as that. It's not. I'm not holding any grudges in, in that regard. It was. I wasn't good enough, and that's the bottom line. I would always go back to that. But at the same time, it wasn't great to hear, and then not featuring very much after that did make me think well I wonder if that was a, a part of it um, so yeah it was disappointing What do you think you learned from that season with Hamilton? Resilience <laughs> for myself because it was the first time I'd felt mis- I found myself out of the team for that length of time without yeah. being injured and that that was hard to take it was hard for me to deal with Andy Millen came in as Stuart Taylor left and he was the number two and we used to go in we were in a Sunday at Hamilton which was, at the time was quite rare you know mm-hmm. you don't normally be off on a Sunday at full time but we were in on the Sunday the guys that played did a recovery and the guys that didn't play did a, a proper session and Andy Millen was absolutely fantastic with us you know he helped your mentality because you got in a Sunday and you're still raging from not, not playing on the Saturday but he he, he was really good with us all um, all the guys that weren't playing and, and helped you that way so I think I definitely built up a bit of resilience that season mm-hmm. um, from, from not playing It's interesting you say that I'm thinking back to a podcast I did with Danny Denham who's now at East Fife about th- this time last year and he talked about his season in full-time football with Livingston and he said when when he wasn't playing he found it really frustrating because he had nothing to take his mind off it that's all he had was, was, was football whereas at part-time if you're not playing you've got other stuff to look forward to and other stuff to focus on was that something you might have missed about part-time football? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, you, you do. I, I still try to keep my hand in a few things. I was coaching and things like that to try and just keep my mind occupied because I felt, certainly at full-time level, I could. I, it, it took me by surprise when I came in and boys were, were raging if they were in till half one, two o'clock and I'm thinking... Are you winding me up? I don't, I don't, I don't understand because it never happened to me. So it was, it was all new to me. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't believe it when people were raging that they were in till, till late in the, or mid afternoon. I'm thinking, this is incredible. I don't know what to do with my time. I've got, I had too much time almost, and that's yeah. probably contributed to me overtraining and things like that as well. But I tried to keep my eye in and different coaching football, badminton things like that to try and just keep my head a wee bit away from it because it is difficult I do agree with that that when you're not playing and you're full time there's nothing to take your mind off it and it's just your full focus all the time and that can be difficult mentally for a lot of players Do you expect to leave the club at the end of the season? Yeah I mean the writing was on the wall it was on the wall from really when I stopped playing in the team I was I knew when there was a few games where I was on the bench I was on the bench quite a lot and there was a few games where there was defender, a defender got injured or would be struggling for a, for a player and that the manager would bring on midfielders at right back and midfield and, and th- that's when you know you know yeah. that is when you go right okay I'm I'm so far out the picture it's 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 scary now that players that don't play that position are coming on ahead of me the writing's on the wall so yeah it was no surprise when uh, <laughs> when they told me I wasn't getting a, a contract <laughs> offer that's for sure so in the summer of 2011 you were reunited with Alan Moore as we've mentioned he went and joined uh, Greenup Morton from Stirling Albion uh, how did it feel to to resign with him really good because at that point. I was probably needing a wee, a wee boost in the sense that I needed somebody that believed in me again mm-hmm. because at that point you're thinking it's, it's not great when you've went full time for a year it's not worked out and you're thinking oh, here we go but the lure of Morton as well because as I say I, I was a fan growing up I used to follow them everywhere yeah. And, and yeah oh yeah I was 
<laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I was a big fan growing up. And what were some of your favourite memories watching them? <clears throat> oh, just I, I remember going to Stranraer midweek once for a, a Challenge Cup semi-final, and we get beat. <laughs> do you know that? But it was just the whole the whole thing about it was, was just brilliant. I loved going there as maybe fourteen. I can't remember. I was young though, and, mm-hmm. and I just remember thoroughly enjoying the whole experience. And I loved supporting my local team at the time because living in Dune, that was my local team. Yeah. So um, you know, they done. I remember they went for promotion. We done United drew two each in the last day. If we'd won. We'd have got promoted, and I remember Cowshed. The whole place was was packed, and it was it was just a brilliant atmosphere. So, lower league football was something that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, to go to Morton and sign with them was was a big a big deal to me at that point. Now you mentioned how much part time football had suited Alan Moore. What about full time football? I think it didn't. As I say, I think he's a he was a much better part time manager, and that's only my take on it because I was only working with him at full time for a season, and it wasn't a very successful season. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know how. Obviously, the following year, I think they did really well and, and, and challenged for the league. So, yeah. players that played in that team would maybe have a different opinion than me. But I think that he was better. His personality was better suited to, to part-time management um, because I think, certainly in my experience, on a Monday and I, he kind of thought about the, the previous Saturday too much when we were, we were losing, and it could bring that that mood into training, which wasn't like him. I wasn't used to that. I was used to the, the bubbly yeah. character coming in all the time and, and it was it was different. It was totally different for me to see that, that side of him. Um, and I think that's just because he cares. That's not because he's, he's consciously doing it. I think it's just because it matters so much and when it is full-time, at the end of the day, again, he's not got a distraction either. The managers don't have a distraction. Yeah. When he was part-time, he would have had his, his job as well. He wouldn't have had that when he was, when he was full-time. So that his focus is just all on results, results, mm-hmm. results. And when we weren't getting them, it had a negative effect on, on him as well, which is understandable. What were your teammates at Morton? Good players, some really good players. Peter Weatherson, mm. Spinsy was, was a real good player. You know, he so much quality. And he'll not mind me saying this, I think if he'd looked after himself that wee bit better, he could have played at such a high level. His technical ability was fantastic. You know, some of the goals that I saw him score, both in games and in training, were yeah. outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. He was he was a really good player with young Michael Tidzer at the time. He was excellent, really good player, came from Celtic. You know, with a lot of a lot of good good players, Mark Smythe was at the, at the back. With who else was playing? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> trying to remember the team. De- Derek Young yeah. came in from from uh, Aberdeen as well. Great guy, absolutely fantastic. He was a brilliant senior pro to, to learn from as well. Paul De Giacomo, lunatic. It's the best way I could describe Paul De Giacomo. Brilliant guy, really good guy. I, I'm not, my first game, I think, with Morton, I was playing right back. He was playing right mid, and he said to me, Andy, do not pass me the ball under any circumstances. Right? And I thought. He's kidding me on. He's winding me up. He's he's got to be winding me up. Passed the ball short to him, and he, he, I think he lost the ball. And the ball went for a throw. And he went, "I told you, <laughs> don't pass me the ball." And I was like, "Okay." So he was just wanted running behind. Basically, he was wanting the ball long and him to run in, but he didn't want it feet. And I just, I just found it hilarious that he was just being serious to me when he said that because I thought he was winding me up, but clearly not. So you, you had him. You had um, Andy Jackson was 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 up front as well. He was a good player. At Peter McDonald as well. Pizzo, yep, yeah, another experienced player that's been about and, and, and done really well so it was, it was it was a good squad and it was a good squad of boys they, they were all you know it was, it was just one of those seasons it didn't it didn't work out for us for whatever reason I'll come on and touch on, on some of the, the games that season but, but what's Morton like as a club? I, well it, it was so different seeing it from a player's point of view than a fan's point of view I've got to say that that opened my eyes a lot it was we trained at the time I know now they, they train um, down at Parkley or they sometimes train at the stadium but we were up at Quarriers Village which was a way, a way away from the stadium and things like that and we had a base up there but the, the actual surface was not great I, I think I got injured for a few weeks once when I fell down a, a rabbit hole and I, that is no <laughs> word to lie I'd, I've been over my ankle in a rabbit hole and then I was out for, for three weeks I fractured a, a wee bone in my foot so it wasn't it wasn't the you know the best of training grounds in, in, in that respect but it was a great club, you know. We again, we Andy the kit man was, was fabulous. He's a brilliant wee guy. He's been in Scottish football forever. Mm-hmm. I think he's he was brilliant around the place, and it was it was a good atmosphere. There was mm-hmm. no no issue in, in, in that regard. At Morton, no chance. It was it was really good and thoroughly enjoyed my time. It was just frustrating because yeah. I, I I know I didn't play as well as I know I can that season. I was I was poor, but the squad in general, I think we should have done better than we did. Well, touching some of the games that season, I know you were injured in a Renfrewshire Cup match against St Mirren. You broke a cheekbone. What happened there? Yeah, so uh, I'm not for a header with Jerome Tesla. Remember oh, him? Yeah, Left back. Yeah. It was uh, to me. I know. I know. This sounds crazy, but boys would probably think it's only the Renfrewshire Cup. But to me, that was everything. Playing against St Mirren at Love Street was that was I was I was so motivated for the game, and 
I probably went for a header that maybe I shouldn't have went for. I don't. I, it's hard to remember because at the time I, I got absolutely KO'd and, and, and I was <laughs> I fractured a, a cheekbone in my, my eye socket as well. I tried to play on. I got up and I played for the rest of the half. I remember. I remember the referee saying to me, "Oh, yeah," because my face was like my cheek was in basically, and he said, "Oh, you're," you're and I said, oh, "It's always like that." And I, <laughs> I, I, what am I thinking here? It came at half time. I was being sick in the toilet. The, the gaffer had saw my face, and he was like, oh, "No, this hell? that's you're off." And I was, I was fuming. Um, my my wife now, but my, my girlfriend at the time, they had to call it Natanoi for her to come and obviously take me to A and E. Um, but she, I was still trying. To, I was wanting to go back out and play. I, I don't really remember this. To be fair, I was a bit out, out the game. But um, apparently, she had to come in and, and prop her around me and sit me down and say, "No, this isn't happening. You're coming to hospital." <laughs> so, um, but. I, Again, I think that was probably just the build-up and being a Morton fan and playing yeah. in the derby. I'm thinking, no, I, I'm I'm playing and the stubbornness took over. But um, it, it wasn't a great start because I was out for I had to I had to get an operation and things. I had to go and wire my my back up basically. Yeah. And and I was quite out. quite frustrating the way at a new club then as well, especially with your your links to Morton. Definitely, because you want to hit the ground running at any new club. That's what you're thinking. You're thinking, right? I want to I want to play well in my first couple of games and really cement my place in the team. And I think, well, I did get the opportunity to do that. I just obviously. I was out for I think it was six, I think it was six weeks. It was a yeah. good good while I was out for, which was really frustrating. The team were um, doing quite well as well in your absence. You yeah. were uh, top of the table after seven games. Do you think you could actually go and challenge for the title that year? I till I came back. <laughs> 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 I'm obviously the, the common <laughs> denominator. It's, it's fair enough. I was um, no at, at that point. I don't think after six seven games you're not really thinking about titles and things mm-hmm. like that. You're just thinking let's have a successful season. And it was it was no different th- that year. It, didn't work out that way and things went a bit pear-shaped when, when uh, I got back from injury really, so. I, The <laughs> catalyst they seemed to be a 5-0 defeat at Partick Thistle You picked up a red card in that match I think that was my was that my last red card before the one part the other week yeah, I, think <laughs> I think it, it was I think I. it was, yes um, I think we were 2-0 two, two down at the time and I, I thought it was harsh at the time ball got played over the top and I, 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 it hit my arm, it was I didn't do it deliberately but I remember at the time it was Craig Charleston I think and um, yeah Straight red, so it wasn't great. They ended up going on to. I think if you find if you sent off, you're just thinking, please, no more goals. You know, finish it two 0 and that's it. But we ended up losing five, and you're thinking, oh no. And obviously, Alan, you know, he didn't miss me. I've got no issue with that. There's end of the day, I get sent off. But um, yeah, that that wasn't wasn't great from my point of view. Why do the team struggle then over the? We kind of, we're kind of joking about about, about yeah. the fact that you were playing, but why do you think the team were poor over the the sort of like the remainder of the season? I think when you go on a bad run, it's, it's kind of it can be hard to get yourself out of it, and especially in a league as tough as Division One Championship, you know, whatever it was at the time. And I think once you get on that negative <laughs> losing streak, or not even losing streak, but not winning games, because yeah. I think we didn't, I think go on a massive losing streak, we just couldn't seem to win games, you know, from from for a good period after that, and it's difficult to to, to get back from that. The team finished the season in eighth place. How do you sum up your year at Capolo? I ended. I remember. I, you know, I obviously remember it very well because it was it was close to me at the time. I remember finishing the season well. I remember I having a, a good maybe last five six games where I, I felt back to myself. I, and I know this sounds crazy, but I remember Stuart McCaffrey, McCaffrey at the time, he was the captain, um, saying to me, "Yeah, yeah, he was he was injured for the full season, mm. and that was a blow as well. You know, losing yeah. your, losing your captain for the full season is, is a blow." And I remember him saying to me, yeah, "Maybe about." Six, seven games into my morning, he's like, "You're trying too hard." And at the time, I thought, oh, "Shut up! That's 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 nonsense. Like, how can you be trying? How can you try too hard? That's impossible." But looking back, you, you probably can. You, you you get caught up a wee bit in the emotion of it, and you do start trying things that you wouldn't naturally do. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're just going out and playing your game, that's something you, you learn as you get older as well. Probably that you just go back to what you know that you're good at. So, what were some of the things that, that you were doing that you wouldn't normally do? Just probably making rash decisions on the ball and and off the ball. I think you probably go into tackles maybe too eagerly when as a defender you're probably now I'd be like why are you, why are you getting into that you know it's just you're taking yourself out of the game and you're leaving the, the rest of your defence open and th- so small things like that make it make a big difference and I think probably over that year you know I, I just wasn't good enough at the, at the end of the day that's the bottom line. <laughs> well, um, are you disappointed to have left at the end of the season? No, no, I, I was disappointed to, to leave Morton, but I think at that point, I I I'd had enough of full time. If I'm if I'm yeah. being honest, at that point, I was I was a bit scunnered with it and just thought it's not for me full time. And I, that sounds crazy because there'll be so many players out there, so many young boys and young people out there that think 
I want to, that full time is all my, and that was my dream. That was all I wanted to do for a long, long time. And when I got it, it wasn't what I, what I expected. So I was ready to just say, you know, I much preferred part time football. I want to get back to that. I enjoy my job. I enjoy, I enjoyed. Did you get the job back? I didn't get the job back. Yeah. No, I went for a, a different job. It's similar work, similar work working with young people in schools, and I still, still I still that do that now. now. Yeah, so that's something I've I've done ever since. And at that point, I was ready to go back and, and enjoy my work and enjoy my football. And it's something that I, it's a decision I'm really glad I made. I'm still glad I went full time to give it that opportunity. As I said to you, I would always regret it if I didn't do it. But I much prefer part time football. Superb, Andy. Thanks very much for talking to me. Join me again soon for the second part of our interview where Andy talks about his three years at Dumbarton and his season with their United. In the meantime, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Just search for Telemies Pelly. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Pelly Podcast.